0: In chapter 13, beginning in the 24th verse, I invite you, as you're able, to stand for the reading. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in, cloud, in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds of the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things that are taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all stay awake. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Today on this first Sunday of Advent, we begin with the all-important gift of hope. But before we dig in to how this hope is revealed in today's word from our Lord, let's understand what hope is and what hope isn't. For example, if you are hoping this Thanksgiving weekend that your football team will yet still win... Or if you are hoping that maybe, just maybe, in this shopping season that you might finally get that iPad for Christmas, or maybe you're hoping that after this long holiday weekend you will pass that test on Monday morning, if that hope, if those hopes have no foundation in reality, like maybe some of our favorite football teams, then it is indeed just wishful thinking. But however, if our hope, however unlikely, are grounded in the anchor of reality, then and only then does hope become analogous to what we understand and know as Christian hope. Let me give a few examples following up on the ones I've already given you. For example, if it seems like your team is losing, but your quarterback has led you to fourth quarter comebacks over and over again, then you have some sense of historical reality to ground that hope in, right? Jesus does that In these words, he grounds us, and I'll I'll say more about it in a few moments, but he grounds us as he quotes the Old Testament over and over again with his hope being seen and fulfilled in the past. And his words, his predictive words, soon to be fulfilled. I like how one scholar writes about this when he says that as as the Lord speaks to us through the Gospel of Mark, great pains are being stressed that Jesus' foreknowledge about what is about to happen does, in fact, get revealed. For three times, he predicts his suffering, and five times, uh, he speaks of his resurrection. The detailed fulfillment of these prophecies provide a, a basis as this author will remind us, for trusting Jesus' predictions about the more distant future. Predictions that hold promise for the faithful. And so these words that will soon to be fulfilled by Jesus at the cross and then later, some years later, as I'll talk about in a moment, give us an anchor into reality for our hope. What about that iPad? Seems like you have uh, no resources or means. Maybe you're asking the question uh, as you long uh, for a gift, the, uh, the question that Mary asked the angel, how can these things be? And yet, like Mary was announced by the angel, maybe you've received a tracking number. Notification that it's been shipped. No shipment date yet. When Jesus quotes Isaiah 13 and talks about the darkness, and as he continues to bring in those Old Testament texts and talks about the world being shaken in just a few days, at his crucifixion, the world will go dark and the land will be shook. And for evermore, the world will be changed. He's letting them know that although they don't yet have the date or the time or know the hour, that the gift of salvation has been shipped. His very presence is the tracking number. And they're about to see it with their own eyes. And then he even goes further and gives them a prediction that will get fulfilled in their own lifetime. As Jesus quotes again from the Old Testament about the destruction of cities, and he's making reference to that, if you look at the places that he's quoting from, when he tells them that the temple will be destroyed. Now, this is mind-blowing. The, the blocks that the temple was Built on that, some of them were were these blocks were boxcar size. I remember seeing them, they were huge and enormous. And not only that, at the time of Jesus, Herod's temple was considered as, as historians will note, like Josephus, is one of the wonders of the world. They were plated with gold, and you could see it for miles as the sun reflected on it. The thought that these, this huge foundation would be rocked. It was unimaginable, but then again, Jesus' words would be fulfilled in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed in their lifetime. A hope founded in reality. What about that uh, test? Well, you know what it's like to study for a test, and the more you study, the more you realize you don't know. Sometimes we feel like that about our faith. Maybe you feel like, I don't know how I could possibly be sure enough to to believe without doubt. But then when the teacher shows you the review, you begin to realize that, well, maybe the things that have been planted in me, uh, your confidence is built because you realize that what you need, maybe you've got. And here in today's text, we hear that as well. For the word of God given to us and revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that word of God planted in us is enough. Jesus reveals that when he uses that word gnosko, to know. And the way he uses it, as Dr. Charles Gishon points out, it's a present imperative. It's emphatic. It's as if to say you can know without a doubt these truths that I am revealing to you. This is a hope that you can place your promise in and know that it is true. And if that's not enough, Jesus gives us the, the very uh, powerful vi- visual image of the fig tree. There weren't very many uh, deciduous trees in Palestine. Most were evergreen, but this well, was one of them. And when its leaves, bud, you knew that summer would be about to take place. And so in seeing what was about to happen, with the Son of Man, they knew that these promises would in short order be fulfilled. And so as Jesus teaches us in each of uh, these Olivet Discourses today, there from the Mount of Olives, He says that what has been done this Hope that was been revealed in the Old Testament you can see and count on. And what I'm doing and about to do on the cross, you'll see and know is truth. And therefore, you can count on the promise of when I come again and make all things right. Friends, our hope is not based on wishful thinking, but on the revealed reality of the gift that God gives us. This gift of faith based on what God has done, what he was doing, and what he will do. Let me point out a little bit more about that grounding of hope. Scholar Chad Bird describes what scholars call metalipsis. That is, when an author quotes or alludes to an earlier text with the expectation that the reader will place the two texts next to one another, side by side, and compare them and see how they shed light on one another. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's letting us see how the Old Testament texts are shedding light on what he's doing here. For example, let me give a couple. God's glory is being revealed in a cloud. Well, the hearer would immediately remember when God became near in a cloud and his glory was revealed to his people there in the desert. Or God, as we hear in Isaiah 13, gathering the exiles, as Jesus quotes there, from destroyed cities. Or God's Messiah accomplishing that promise as predicted and as Jesus quotes from Daniel 7. Jesus is showing us that his promise of hope indeed was predicted and has come and is coming and one day will be made fully complete. And I want you to notice as we get all these examples from history, as Jesus puts these texts up side by side for us, it doesn't come in the most idyllic, perfect circumstances, do they? often in the midst of cataclysm, in fact. So if you are ra- waiting for your faith to come together when everything is working out just right, you'll wait, you'll wait literally until Jesus comes again. God comes near to us, friends. God comes near to us on this first weekend of Advent with this gift of hope and he comes near in the midst of the good the bad or the ugly of our lives he gathers as he picks up from isaiah 11 gathering the banished those of us who have sinned he gathers us into the church this is the hope He is, as as it's written in the book of Hebrews, He, Jesus, is the anchor of hope for our souls. This gift of hope is something you can rely on. We, as one scholar put it, enter the Advent season with a tripart call to watch to wait and to work. And as he continues to write about this, he says, watching can be hard. You only have to sit with the two-year-old for a few minutes to know that, right? Waiting can cause disillusionment. If you've ever waited for a diagnosis or a plan to help a hurting loved one, you know how hard waiting can be. And of course, work can be difficult, not just the big jobs, but all the daily stuff. And so as I continue quoting this author, remember, still Jesus' disciples are called to actively wait, to wait with anticipation. We may not know what is to come, but we know who is to come. And that is what Jesus is declaring to us here in Mark 13. So we come to the back half of this message today, ask the question, so what is this work that we're called to do while we're watching and waiting? How can we stay awake and be ready? Well, the first is to remember that Christ makes us ready with this promise of hope. And so we respond by receiving this gift and living into it with what I like to call, and I've written about recently, uh, a yellow alert attitude. Now, some of you remember when we had uh, Officer Lahaki here speaking to us about safety. And this is long before we got the, you know, color-coded system that uh, got rolled out this weekend here in our state. And Officer Lahaki told us, you know, when you're at home, you're kind of at ease and green. And when you're in a crisis, you're on red alert. He said, but I want to invite you whenever you're out in public to be aware of your surroundings, be on yellow alert. And I thought long and hard about that and thought about what that means for us as Christians. You see, to stay awake for us as we live this life in a very real sense is to be on yellow alert, but not for the self-preservation of our bodies, but to pay attention to what God is doing in this moment, the opportunity God is giving us to glorify him and to share his love and to share it in proclamation and in acts of love for our neighbor to have that kind of yellow alert lifestyle for the sake of the gospel in all things during these days of watching and waiting. So I'm gonna invite you and and I'll summarize it quickly for us today to do three things of this work, to know the promise, to defend the promise and to share the promise everywhere. My commitment to you as your pastor is uh, not just in summarizing them uh, briefly today, but to be committed to helping us do those three things in the days and years ahead. To know the promise, to defend the promise, and to share the promise everywhere. What do I mean by know the promise? Well, you heard that word gnosko, that word to know emphatically, without doubt. We can do that when we come in catechesis, when we come in studying the teachings of Jesus in his word to know what the church believes and confesses. And we do that, whether you're uh, regularly saturated by the word, by listening to the word on a walk or in the car ride on your Bible app, or reading the word around the table with an advent devotion, or doing that with others at home, or before bed at night, or in a Zoom Bible study here, or with groups of people here, or digging into the word, God is inviting us to know him and trust in him through his word. And you don't have to be in confirmation anymore to know that we need to continue to dig in to those things which we confess. So be saturated in the word, friends. Know the promise. And then defend the promise. In 1 Peter 3:15, it says, be prepared to give a reason for your hope. That's where we get the word apologetics, to defend the faith. And it is possible to be prepared when you get asked questions, whether it's to dig into uh, some of our favorite authors of old, like C.S. Lewis's *Mere Christianity*, or maybe uh, I, I read this week Lee Strobel, is a former atheist and now professed Christian, is teaching a class on apologetics starting uh, November 30th every week online, or wh- wherever you find resources, or whether it is to finally go through those questions of faith and dig in with the fellow believers, or or. Uh, with the fellow member of this body to find out those answers so you can be prepared to give a reason for your hope. Defend the promise. And then finally, share the promise. Now, we've already heard about our our mission partnership on this mission weekend and the ways that we share the promise together. And we must certainly do that through that investment and through that shared work. But you know where else you must frequently are called to share the promise when you're making dinner when you're going to work when you're studying for that test when you're hanging out with your family or calling uh, your loved ones who are far away i like how eminent scholar charles erdman from princeton Said it's expressed in its absolute fidelity to our daily tasks. Your call for the gospel, you don't have to go looking for it. God comes to you, remember? And He shows up in those ordinary moments. And this is the place where you have the opportunity to share the gospel in word and in deed. These ordinary moments become holy moments. So we share the promise everywhere. Know the promise, defend the promise, share the promise. Share this promise of hope because why? Remember, God is near. As one scholar reminds us, for centuries, Christians have been comforted in any circumstance, in whatever circumstance you may be facing right now in your life, whether the good, the bad, or the ugly, remember, God comes near in the permanence of these promises. I'll end with this picture from scholar Christian Smith. It was about this time of year as he tells the story, you know, Christmas shopping time, where he took his young son to Toys R Us. And as sometimes happens, His son got away from him there in the store and his enthusiasm for checking out all the good stuff, right? And you know, it's like maybe as a parent, that feeling of not knowing where your child is and he's looking all over and he could see that he hadn't left the building because the doors of the exit doors were behind him and he couldn't find him, he couldn't find him. Finally, he went to an employee of the store and the employee uh, allowed him to look at the camera system that was there nearby and quickly, on one of those screens, he saw his son There he found his son sitting on the floor. And if you can think of how scary it was for that father, imagine what it was like for that little boy of his as he sat sitting on the floor in tears, separated from his dad, scared. His dad said to the employee, do you you have an intercom? He said, yeah, yeah, can I use it? he gets on the intercom and he says son is, all of a sudden you can see on the screen his son's head perks up recognizing his father's voice. Stay where you are I'm coming for you. Friends today I invite you to recognize your father's voice. Because this reality of hope this promise of hope grounded in reality we hear from Our loving Father, from the Son of Man who has come near, to say to you and to me, Stay where you are. I'm coming for you. This is the promise. Know the promise. Defend the promise. Share the promise because God is near. He has come. He is coming. Christ has died. Christ has risen and Christ will come again. Amen.